So the key here is that great enduring organizations and leaders that people are investing on, they have the ability not only to innovate, which is good, it's important, but the most important asset they have is the ability to scale the innovation they created. To mm-hmm. scale innovation, you need to apply excellence to the innovation that you created. Hi, welcome to Ready to Scale Season 3. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. I'm a real estate investor, syndicator, and operator of multifamily properties. And in this season, we're going to focus on dialogues that drive success. Building real wealth is not a fairy tale nor rocket science, but there's so much to learn. So grab a cup of coffee and join me each week for in-depth conversations with successful real estate investors. Conversations that are designed to help you drive your wealth, investment, knowledge, and lifestyle to the next level. And of course, you can always go to my website, elliperlman.com, to read more about investing passively in multifamily. everyone. Today I'm speaking with Jose Pires. Jose serves as an excellence and innovation executive leader and advisor for startups, you know, scale-ups, which that's an interesting word, and Fortune 500 companies. He is an advisory board leader and a keynote speaker for organizations and global conferences on innovation, technology, leadership development, and strategy. So he's very, very on high demand. He's talking, you know, appearing on stages and advising really large corporations. He's an executive Lean Six Sigma master black belt who holds a bachelor in engineering physics from the University of Kansas and master's in business administration focused in investment banking and entrepreneurship from the University of San Diego. Welcome, Jose, to the show. Ellie, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, it's funny because when you're talking about, you know, he's an executive Link Six Sigma Master Black Belt. I often tell people that I am a certified Link Six Sigma Master Black Belt. But for most people, that sounds like a dangerous mental condition. So <laughs> I'm glad that even when you try to say that, that word, it kind of gets a little tricky there. But that's what it is, you know, summarize that with, you know, there's a lot of discipline to the art of innovation. And I think some of those discipline frameworks that are part of the art of innovation that we're going to talk some about today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe, you know, a good place to start is kind of give highlights of what you're doing and maybe the most interesting project that you've worked on. I think it's going to help the listeners understand a little bit more about what you do because, I mean, it sounds fantastic, but I want people, I want listeners to kind of understand a little bit better about your day-to-day and and what is it that you really do? Yeah, so let me give a perspective. Maybe go back a little bit further, you know. Mm -hmm. First of all, for those of you who are listening to me for the first time and you say like, come on, this guy's name shouldn't be Jose Perez. And I pronounce it Jose Pires. And, and the reason for that is that I was born in Brazil, originally from Brazil. And I was educated in the United States, as Ellie talked about. You know, I have this mixed background in interdisciplinary engineering. And then later on, investment banking, entrepreneurship, which is really kind of like it really expresses very well what I do and what I'm about. It's kind of this blend of the art and science of innovation for value creation. 
And I started my career as a as Sony, as a designer, and I was doing designing systems for technology systems and products and for Sony, and then joined a startup in the semiconductor industry in California that was very successful. And I became enamored with this idea of innovation, not just about creating one here or there, but how do you create an ecosystem and an environment where great people and great ideas can connect and innovation can flourish for value creation. And I'm sure that a lot of the listeners right now who are running their own organizations, whether you're an entrepreneur, a, a small size, mid-size, or a large organization, these concepts are universal. And I want to make sure that, that I touch on the, on the key concepts on building a culture of innovation in your organization, regardless of the size. But in any case, after I left the semiconductor industry startup company, I was innovation leader for Nestle, the food company, for, for a number of years. And then for the last 15 years, I was the corporate leader for excellence and innovation in the energy space, working with anything from renewable energy to fossil fuels and all sorts of technology on accelerating innovation in the energy space. The key, you talked about a special project there. So there are so many. Just to give an illustration, when you are in an organization that's, that's doing innovation at scale, you're doing dozens, hundreds, sometimes thousands of these innovation projects, typically commensurate with the size of the organization. And I'm based in San Antonio. And then 2010, here in San Antonio, we had a company that most of the people in San Antonio know as Tesoro Corporation which is an energy company based here. But in 2010, the company was struggling. It was a $2 billion energy company, which is not much if you're an energy company. It was below book value with its market value at that time. And then they got a new CEO who wanted to build what I'm describing, a culture of excellence and innovation. And I was incredibly lucky to be brought in a few years later by that leadership team and help accelerate that journey. But that's a real special project because by building these components of innovation within their, that organization over time, from 2010 to 2018, we create a meritocracy of ideas with clear execution mechanisms for everyone in the organization, how to use innovation to create value for the organization, for the clients, for stakeholders. And by 2018, we had over 2,000 innovation projects that were going on across the enterprise and deliver more than a billion dollars in EBITDA for that organization. This is a public company now. And in 2018, this $2 billion company had a market value of $36 billion. Now, an 18-fold increase in market valuation based on nothing but developing a culture of excellence and innovation as its ultimate competitive advantage. So, you know, I will talk a lot about technology and the importance of technology innovation in the next five to 10 years. We're going to see more technological innovations that we have seen in the last three decades combined. And while that's important, you know, I often say that technology is great when it enables you to do the right thing, but it can also make stupid happen at the speed of light. So we're going to think, talk about how do you build these ecosystems of innovation in your organization, no matter what business you're running. How do you build these ecosystems where you identify, prioritize, and execute what creates the most value? And I think that's the project, you know, from $2 billion to $36 billion in an eight-year period, not having any specific technology, geographic competitive advantage, really using, you know, building its own culture as a competitive advantage is the ultimate project for me. That's, it's not a quick project for sure, but it's the ultimate oh, sure. project for me. Got it. And so a lot of our listeners are family offices and also ultra high net worth individuals. And for the most part, the high net worth individuals like to invest with sponsors like myself, basically write a check, 
normally between $100,000 or $50,000 to half a million or more if they're high net worth individuals. And then when it comes to family offices, it starts around $1 million all the way to five or $10 million. How would technology and innovation, how would it be important or in what capacity would that be important for investors that are passive investors looking to invest with a certain company, you know, it could be a sponsor, a REIT, you know, any other institutional they want to invest with. What are your thoughts? That's great, right? Because you're talking about investment, you're talking about how investors are identifying the right opportunities and then what they should be looking for. Well, how many hours do you have, <laughs> first of all? Because <laughs> there's no silver bullet, right? This one thing. Yeah. But I, I want to talk a little bit about few concepts here, you know, and what works for organizations at a macro level works for investors as well, because you're investing in organizations and people and trying to get a return on that investment. And this concept still apply. So there are four things that we look at as, first of all, the most important, if you look at the great enduring organizations and leaders for the last eight to nine decades, what you're going to find on that analysis is that great enduring organizations and leaders, they have certain traits that separate them from the rest. And one of the traits is that they have this ability to master contradictions. So let me talk about one big contradiction to start with. The world of greatness is not an or world. The world of greatness is an and world because you have to manage this contra- blend these contradictions. And there is no greater contradiction than the contradiction of excellence and innovation because people fall in love with innovation. But the reality is that the most innovative organizations and people even are not the great enduring when it comes to performance and especially when it comes to returns, to tangible returns over the long run. What you're going to find out is that the great enduring organizations and leaders They have the ability to innovate, but most important, they have the ability to scale the innovation that they created better than others. And it's the scaling of innovation that makes a difference. If you look at long-term investments, you're going to be looking for technologies, for example, not only the cool innovative technology, you're going to look for technology that's going to scale your ability towards the purpose that you have as a business. As we often say, you know, the right technology enables the right processes for you And the wrong technology makes stupid happen at the speed of light. So the key here is that great enduring organizations and leaders that people are investing on, they have the ability not only to innovate, which is good, it's important, but the most important asset they have is the ability to scale the innovation they created. To Mm -hmm. scale innovation, you need to apply excellence to the innovation that you created. This sounds like common sense. But common sense is the least common of the sense in large organizations and with entrepreneurs as well. So this is level one. Level two is that there are four components for scaling innovation. Number one is ideas. You need to have ideas. People, you know, if I invest with you, Ali, I'm hoping that you have a few ideas on what to do with my investment, right? So ideas are great. And then we need to have, they are typically followed up by ideas that have methods that are behind those ideas. There's some rationale on how you do your investment. There are some methods. Methods are important as well. Very good. The third level is technologies. We need to have certain technologies that will allow you to do, my, to do well with my investment. And the final level is the people themselves. Who was well, something mm-hmm. about the people that I'm investing with, the entrepreneur that I'm betting on. So ideas, methods, technologies, and people. Now, I'll do a summary here. Ideas are everywhere. Where common are people willing to put their reputation behind the right ideas to execute? So we're going to go to methods. Well, methods, 
are great because they provide a disciplined framework on how I'm going to do my investments. But methods themselves do not transform businesses. People do. And then we get to technologies and we already talk about the dichotomy of technologies having great when you enable processes to deliver value, but also can make stupid happen at the speed of light. And then we end up with people and you say, okay, so I got to find the right people, right? And to execute. So the execution of innovation is 90% of innovation. So all the ideas, the methods and technologies are important, but they're only 10%. If I, if I would have the equation to predict your success, I'm going to be looking at those three items as the 10%. Mm. The final item is, is related to execution and the people. And of course, it's interconnected to the previous three. But finding the right people is key. And these people have a combination of clear purpose, for sure, aligned purpose, hopefully with the investor. They have passion, they have discipline, and they have resilience, you know, to make the right investments. So in organizations, you know, typically, if I look inside organizations, I'm looking with people with purpose, passion, discipline, and resilience as a catalyst to amplify innovation for value creation. As an investor, I'm looking for organizations that have those types of people in the organizations, not the ones that can create an innovation here or there, the ones that can scale innovation for value creation over time. And there are many great examples of that. And, you know, you, you pick today's investment darlings, like a company like Tesla. Mm -hmm. Tesla was interesting for quite some time, field of innovators. But until Tesla started scaling the innovation that he created, until very recently, where people can say, okay, I can see now that there's scalability here. Now that investment became really interesting. And you can apply that model to any investment that you do. If you're doing that in real estate, it's the same way. You mm -hmm. know, it's interesting that there's some real estate opportunities and investment opportunities that are innovative, but those are not the best ones. It's are the, the ones that are going to be most attractive are the ones where you have people and technologies and methods and ideas behind it that you can scale with discipline. And that's the excellence piece. I'm assuming that if you're an investor and you're looking and you're evaluating a public company, then you have more tools, more access to knowledge as to, you know, try and assess the level of innovation and scalability of different companies. You said you mentioned Tesla. We all know when around the same time when they started scaling their innovation because this you could read the financial reports, you could read the summaries, you know, and follow up on the media to, you know, you have access to the level of innovation and scalability of those companies. What do you think about the private companies and, you know, sponsors or like myself or smaller companies that don't necessarily have data that is out there? So if someone is looking to assess whether to invest with a certain sponsor and they want to evaluate the innovative and scalability components, what questions can they ask or what should they look for in order to make an informed decision? This is a very, very difficult question, especially with private companies. Because if, even with public companies, it's hard because you're going to be looking at public companies and a lot of investors look at, oh, if they're innovative, they must have a lot of patents and they've been doing mm -hmm. technological development. And there is actually not a such great correlation between patents and the level of innovation for value creation in an organization. If that was true, IBM would be the number one company in the world. And, and I'm not picking on IBM here. It's just that the correlation is weak. So this is already difficult for public companies. When it comes to private companies, the challenges are greater because, as you know, the transparency and availability of the data is not the same. 
Having said that, let's talk about uh, some of the components. There are less obvious components for those organizations that are not on, there are on that scalability, if you will, stage, which becomes really interesting from an investment standpoint. And what you see in some of those organizations is that they do have technology development, right? They have automation that's taking place. Mm -hmm. They have technology right. that creates value for their business model. Wonderful. But that's not enough because any organization can have that. Those technologies are typically available for everybody. It's how do they systematically use those innovations to create disproportional value? And then the things that you look for that's less obvious, but also not easy to get to is that do they have a governance for innovation? with a structure, with clear roles and responsibilities. So not only any entrepreneur can come up with an innovation and come up with a multi-million dollar company, but if you wanna be a multi-billion dollar company, you need to be able to scale that. And if you don't have innovation systems and mechanisms in place with governance, roles and responsibilities that allow you to scale that innovation, now you're, it's much more random, it's much more lucky than you are able to predict future performance. So you're looking for, does this organization, regardless of size, have a even a minimalistic structure when they have a very disciplined approach to identify, prioritize, and execute on what creates the most value in the shortest time and simplest means for the organization and for the customers, of course. So does the organization, the answer to that question is yes or no. Now, what are some proxies of that? You know, what type of people do they hire? You know, what type of skill sets are they hiring? What type of, if you're able to glean into their organizational structure, does it look like there is some governance for innovation acceleration, for value creation? If you look at their reports, do they report the results for their operational excellence improvements and innovations as one example? And then, you know, the disruptive technology improvements and innovations as well. But what's available there? But governance is one that's tricky, I would say. Governance is one. The other two that I'll just stop at three here. Governance is an important one. And then what is the level of collaborative leadership development that they have in that organization? And what is the level of innovation execution skills that they have? So let's skip innovation execution skills. Collaborative leadership development is the ability to work in these small teams that can make the experiment with what I call these bullets you know, low risk, low cost, low distraction to the core business opportunities to scale, to create new innovations that are going to create significant value. So collaborative leadership in a company like Amazon, for example, is quite high. Collaborative leadership at Google is quite high. You know, collaborative leadership, as a matter of fact, on a commercial real estate company like JLL is quite high. So in every industry, you're going to have companies with a certain level of collaborative leadership development. And if I look at what separates good to great when it comes to innovation acceleration for value creation and as an investment as well. The key differentiators are governance, collaborative leadership, and innovation execution skills. They built that as part of their culture. And that creates, again, an enduring competitive advantage. Most organizations don't have this, Ali. Let me, let me be clear here. That's why you have very few multi-trillion dollar organizations today. I believe in the next decade, we're going to have many more because this is becoming more well-known and organizations mm -hmm. are adapting. And, and regardless if you're a small, you know, five to 10 person organization or a 50,000 plus person organization, these concepts apply to create value proportionally. And that's becoming more well-known today. And we'll see more and more of that in the next decade.
right. Well, thank you so much, Jose, for sharing your knowledge with us. We have arrived to the lightning round questions. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. <laughs> okay, so Jose, besides scaling Fortune 500 companies, what's your favorite hobby? You know, this is an interesting question. So I, I have one that's that's more unique. I love flying remote control airplanes. So I have like this collection of different types of remote control airplanes from, you know, normal, you know, Cessna types to real fighter jet types that I enjoy playing with. But of course, you know, I'm originally from Brazil as well. And I play soccer at, at a very high level for most of my life. And still at an old age, I still play soccer, you know, today. All right, that's awesome. And what's the one thing that people don't really know about you? The one thing that people don't know about me, and I get asked this question a lot, is that I work with a lot of women organizations and women empowerment organizations. And people are like, what is the deal, Jose? Why you work with all those women organizations? And I was like, and then there are two reasons that I do that. One, I think, is more of a family reason. I'm the youngest of four kids, and my I have three older sisters. Okay. I always had that affinity with the women in my family, so that was that. But the second reason, which is really less obvious, is that as I started scaling, and this is something for your listeners as well in their own organizations to pay attention to, as I started scaling innovation, with discipline approaches across over 100 across industry organizations in more than 20 countries. I found one pattern that mystified me. And here's the pattern. Most of the organizations that I work with are very successful and they and I work with the part of their, their organization that tends to be a bit more on the technical side and it's heavily dominated by males. It's like 80 to 90% males. Yep. Yet, when I set up a meritocracy of ideas with clear execution mechanisms, the innovators that emerge are nearly 50% females. Mm. Now, I had no idea why that was such so, so the case because the, the numbers just didn't work out. So it became a personal and professional interest of mine to work with women organizations because I feel that the next decade is going to be the decade of women in leadership. Because And some of the hypotheses that we have why so many women innovators are coming through is because of what I said before. When it comes to collaborative leadership, women do it better. And I'm not trying to be gender centric here. It's just what the data shows from my experience. And I'm trying to figure out why they are better at this than, than the guys are. Why is that most of the great innovators in this meritocracy of ideas are not most, it's a half and half, but disproportionately half because of the original population are women. And, they, and I think it's because of two reasons. Collaborative leadership skills somewhat come more natural to women than men. And the other one is that I think that in these male-dominated fields, when women start looking at those fields, I mean, the essence of innovation is the ability to take a different perspective at a problem. And I think women are bringing these new perspectives and that's mm -hmm. blossoming into innovation for organizations. That's a real interest of mine, a question that people ask me often, why you're so involved with women as organizations, and that's the reason. All right. So, Jose, what is your number one advice to high net worth individuals and family offices that want to scale and grow their real estate portfolio and businesses in 2021? Well, listen, I think there are two. If you have your own organization, I think you should look at your organization and find the people in your organization who have the purpose, the passion, the discipline, the resilience to identify, prioritize and execute innovation. That's number one. We're going to see again more change and, and I would say positive change in the next five to 10 years 
when it comes to innovation of all types, not only technological innovation, innovations of all types, business model innovation, process innovation, all types of innovations. We're going to see more of that in the next five to 10 years than we saw in the last two or three decades combined. So that's tremendous opportunity in your own organization. Now, as an investor, there is a lot of hype in the marketplace. People talk about AI and natural language process and robotics process automation. I am guilty. I am hired to chair over 30 technological conferences on an annual basis. Wonderful. I talk about all of them. But make sure you do not fall in love with technology and you do not fall in love with innovation. Fall in love with those organizations who create innovation because they need to create innovation, but they are incredibly disciplined about scaling that innovation. The signature of mediocrity is not an unwillingness to change. The signature of mediocrity is chronic inconsistency. So look at the organizations and make sure you invest in organizations that are chronically consistent with their purpose and they are using innovation not as a cool feature, but it's because it's chronically consistent with their business model and purpose. I mean, a great example from Tesla. Tesla wanted to automate everything, and then they realized they had a bottleneck on their final assembly because they over-automated their processes. So if Tesla was just in love with automation as opposed to delivering a lot of great cars, they would have a real problem. But they learned the lesson. They said, you know, in that case, remove the automation is not ready. Let's put humans on those jobs. Let's them do a good job. And now they are scaling their production. So this is just one example of do not fall in love with technology. Do not fall in love with innovation. Understand that innovation is important, but most important is your an organization's ability to scale innovation with excellence. So look for those opportunities, no matter the size of the investment that you have. If you're handing your money to an organization or to an individual, does that organization or individual have the ability to scale innovation with excellence, with a disciplined framework and approach? I, that would be my main message. All right. Jose, thank you so much for spending the last 30 minutes here with me. If the listeners want to reach out to you and get in touch with you, where can they find you? Listen, you can go to www.excellenceandinnovation.com. Just spelled out with the end and all. Look me up on LinkedIn as well. Lots. We have over 30,000 excellence innovation leaders who follow our journey on LinkedIn. We do updates under my own name, Jose Perez, on LinkedIn. Those will be two easy ways to get hold of me. Thank you again for your time today, Jose. I know you're a very, very busy man, and I really appreciate it. Ali, thank you for allowing me the privilege to be here with you and a great entrepreneur, investor, and innovator in your wonderful audience. It's a real privilege. So thank you, everyone. That's it for today, guys. Be bold, be great, and keep moving forward. And I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.